our faith concerning our God as security in life, we find summarized in Lord's Day 1, question and answer 1. There we find our faith and the teachings of Scripture articulated as follows. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood, to set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my Heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by His Holy Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for Him. In response to the sermon, let's sing the rhymed version of this question and answer with hymn 49. Love, brothers and sisters, in our Lord Jesus Christ, guests. Imagine for a moment a war-torn country. Civil war. Ethnic groups at war with each other. Armies that call themselves a liberation front, but bring a reign of terror. You see terrible things happen. Your neighbor is murdered, his wife and their teenage daughters are raped. You see it happen, you get out as fast as you can, but where do you go? All you have is the clothes you wear, some money you've hidden on your person. The money is soon gone, it's paid to swindlers abusing your situation. You might make it to a refugee camp, maybe even to a country of relative safety, a country like Canada. But it's not like that's where you want to be. You feel lonely and insecure. And that's the kind of person the poet of Psalm 42, 43 was. Boys and girls, one day he had everything. His family, his friends, his house. He could go to the temple. And now? Now he's alone in a desolated mountain range. He's alone and insecure. Alone and uncertain, everybody is afraid to be alone. To be in a situation where, where no one concerns himself with you, where no one talks with you, where no one helps you when you can't go it alone. That's what we're scared of, to be entirely alone. Have you ever looked into the eyes of a three-year-old in a supermarket when he's lost his mom? Or remembered the hike as a teenager? When you lost sight of the group, you were kind of brave, but deep down. Ever seen the fear written on the face of, of a man as he buries his wife of 30-something? Or how afraid a senior can be going through the first stages of dementia and then having to go to an old age home? The fear of being alone in a strange environment. And we as human beings have this, this tendency then to look for something to hold on to. 
something familiar, something safe. You know, a child will clutch a stuffed toy. Teenagers look for idols. Even adults are in search of security, something to hold on to, something to give you certainty in life. And when the catechism asks, what is your comfort? That's what it's asking. What is your security? What gives you comfort? What gives you certainty in life? What do you hold on to in order to stabilize your existence? What is the one thing in life you could not do without? You who call yourself a Christian. This afternoon we listen to God's Word with this theme, God is our security in life. We'll pay attention to three matters. First of all, God is able to be our security. Secondly, God is allowed to be our security. And thirdly, God will most definitely be our security. God is able. Imagine this. You're walking through a mountainous area. And suddenly the path beneath your feet gives way. You fall and begin to slide into a ravine, into a canyon. And as you slide, you know how that goes. You swing your arms around and, and you feel a sod of grass and, and you grab it. But it gives way. Down you slide. Or you're sailing on the ocean. The boat capsizes and you find yourself in the water. You're close to a reef and the surf is well and truly up. And as the breakers break over your head, you're, you're tossed about and your hand seeks something to hold on to and you touch something, a piece of weed. You grab it for dear life, but to no avail. Grass won't save you when you slip into a canyon. Seaweed will not keep you afloat. If you want to avoid sliding into a canyon, you need to cling on to something that is able to save you. Something like a little tree, deeply rooted. If you want to avoid drowning, you need to grab something that will bear your weight, a life jacket. Likewise, if you want security in life that is truly secure, it must be certain. It has to be something that will take your weight. So let's look around. What are the kinds of things that people look to for security? What do people hold on to to stay alive, to give their lives a sense of purpose? Are those things like sods of grass and pieces of seaweed? Or are they like little trees and life jackets? Well, probably one of the most common security things of our time is faith in tomorrow. Tomorrow there will be another day just as today. Tomorrow my house will be there. My, my spouse, my children, my parents will still be alive. Tomorrow I'll go to school again, to work again. Tomorrow the bank machine will work. I can do my groceries. There'll be power and water and gas. My car will work. Tomorrow will be a day like any other. Maybe a little bit better than today. That's security for many people in, in today. Faith in tomorrow. That, that's, for example, how many New Yorkers lived. But then the calendar was 9-11-2001. And together with the Twin Towers, their world caved in. An unknown fear was unleashed. Fear for every plane that flies over. Fear for, for post for mail with white powder in it. Fear for every Muslim that appeared in public. Believe in tomorrow. The people of Haiti lived like that. The people of Chile lived like that. 
But tomorrow proves insecure. Faith in tomorrow, when you think about it, is like a sod of grass, a piece of seaweed. Other people, they, they seek security in personal possessions, trust in money. You expect to receive your wages, and when you get them, you expect them to keep their value. You put the money on a bank account, a savings account. You invest part of it. You put it in real estate. You stick it in mutual funds. And your faith is such that you even dare to spend money you haven't earned yet. You live off credit. You buy a car on financing. That's also a security for many people. Faith in your own possessions. And that's how many people lived now almost two years ago, in many Western countries. But people had mortgages with conditions that could not be met. People were lending money to pay their debts. And then the bottom dropped out of the market. The real value of real estate became a factor. We entered our economic downturn. Financial structures presented as gold mines in your pocket turned out to be millstones around your neck. Possessions, riches. They're a blade of grass, a piece of weed. Security. One other example. Faith in being self-supportive. And by that I mean trying to make sure that as much as possible you can support yourself. You can take care of yourself. You be a jack of all trades. You can build your own home. You can grow your own food. You can fill in your own tax forms. You can arrange your own affairs. To be independent of others. To be your own boss. Run your own life. To be able to do things your way. That's a hold for many people too. Faith in being self-supportive. But, but then your holiday plans go awry and, and paradise becomes a hell. Then your mother passes away and a few years later there's a stepmother you can't get on with. Your child does not live up to your expectations or hopes. Your spouse turns out not to be the woman or man of your dreams. You've got cancer. You're involved in a serious car accident. And then what? Plans come to nothing. Abilities disappear. It's pretty difficult to weed a veggie patch from a wheelchair. And when your relationship with the spouse turns sour, that's the unsettled life. If your child can't be bothered about the faith, persuasive powers prove insufficient. So even being self-supportive, it's a blade of grass. Faith in tomorrow. Faith in money. Faith in being self-supportive. But then, if you think about it, should the White House explode tomorrow, what will our world look like? Should it become known tomorrow that the European bank has been fraudulent when introducing the euro? Or even as simple as, should you leave church this afternoon, slip in the parking lot and break your neck? Blades of grass and pieces of seaweed. We are looking for security. What we need is a tree, a life jacket. Well, let me tell you, beloved, who is able to be a tree, able to be a life jacket. That's God. He gives true security. He's the only hold that never, ever gives way. He's a hold of which you can say achievements in the past are an absolute guarantee future investments. I'm speaking of the God who said to an old man, a very old man, you will have just as many descendants as there is sand on the beach or stars in the sky. 
And that old man and his wife, they weren't so sure about this. But they learned, you can depend on God. For that old man and his wife got descendants to whom you and I belong. God. I'm speaking of the God who covenanted with the small people. Stiff-necked, rebellious by nature. God wanted to go with them. But the people constantly deserted Him. Golden calves, bales and ashers, sun, moon and stars. The nation was like a married woman with prostitution as her career. But Every time that nation repented and came back, God was there. God. And speaking of the God who made a beautiful world with oceans, mountains, rivers, plants, animals, people, God had big plans. Man destroyed everything. And yet God did not abandon His creation. He went for restoration. And He even sacrificed His own Son for us. God. The God who gave Abram and Sarah a little boy. The God who was faithful to Israel. Just read the prophet Hosea. The God who offers salvation to a world lost in sin. This God is a tree. A life jacket. He can take your weight. He can be your security. Yes, your security, personally. God can be a true hold in your life. It doesn't matter who you are. God doesn't distinguish between this and that people, between men and women, between the rich and poor, between adults and children. Everyone is allowed to cling to God. Everyone is allowed to hold on to Him. It's all possible because of Christ the Lord Jesus for you too? Yes. For God so loved the world. And that's why He gave His Son. You belong to that world too, don't you? That's why you may share in what Jesus means for this world. You're not excluded. God can save everyone through Jesus. Even a murderer who almost before his last breath repents. If He can do that, He can save you too. And the Father... Is the Father my Father? Yes, for God created the whole world and has said that He would love for all men to repent and be saved. All men. No one excluded. Don't think you're not allowed to come to the Father because, well, you're a woman or because you're too young or because you're not so good at studying. Absolutely not. The Father wants to care for everyone. Also for you. And the Spirit? The Spirit for you too. Yes, for Scripture says, The aged shall dream dreams, and the young shall see visions. Sons and daughters will prophesy. No distinction, no favoritism. The gift of the Spirit isn't just for some. No, the Spirit of God is in every child of God. If you're a child of God, you have the Spirit. God is able to be a hold in your life. People look for certainty in tomorrow, in, in money, in being self-supportive. You can probably imagine something else. You know, tomorrow a flood may destroy our homes. Tomorrow your bank may go broke. Tomorrow your doctor may phone you to tell you that with the last operation, the blood used in transfusion was contaminated with HIV. Now what then? Only God can give certainty in life. Ask the destitute. Ask people who have lost dear ones way too early by human standards. Ask those who've lost homes and relatives to rebels. God is almighty and He is ready every moment of the day. 
He's a rock. He's a fortress. As God is our security in life, He's able to be our security, for He is almighty and faithful. He's proven it in the past. Let's see that He's also allowed to be our security. For when you think about it, to be able and to be allowed, there are two different things. Some things are able, but they're not allowed. A 12-year-old may be able to drive a car. He's not allowed to do so on a public road. An unmarried woman may be able to bear children. God disallows it. So that God is able to be our hold doesn't yet mean that He's allowed to be our hold. He's able to save all people. But not everybody is saved. There are also people that end up in hell. That raises the question, is God allowed to be my security in life? There could be objections. For example, our sins. Our lives are a mess. Who of us would dare to say that he or she is without sin? Keeps all God's commandments. Serve God alone. Or do you also trust in yourself? Serve God as we are. Or is prayer life a ritualistic drudgery? Use God's name properly. Or do you use your name, but I'm a Christian, to cover a lie? Keep the day of rest. Or are we too busy for that? Honor parents. Or are we impudent? Protect life. Or do we bully our neighbors? No adultery. Yet visit wrong websites. No stealing. What about your tax forms? No false witness. What do we talk about during coffee? Especially on a day like today. No wrongful desiring. Or is our service of God something on the outside? And doesn't it come from the heart? Well, let's be honest about it, brothers and sisters. We're not all that pious. There is much sin in our life. To say nothing of the many good things that we should be doing... Don't do. And if we're honest about it, we may well ask ourselves, you know, is God allowed to be my security? Another objection. It's one I bumped into in Holland quite frequently. I'm not sure how common it is here. But I'm not sure whether I'm elect. Only those whom God has elected are allowed to say, I am God's child. And, and the catechism, it should really be changed. It's, it's too personal. We should ask, what is the only comfort in life and death? And then say something like that, a human being with body and soul, both in life and death, etc. Take the personal element out. For who is going to dare to say that holy and almighty God has chosen him or her unto salvation? No, you can't be sure whether God is allowed to be called your security if you're not sure whether you're elect. A third objection. My faith isn't good enough. Only people who really believe. People who ask everybody they meet in the street, you heard of Jesus yet? People who go to hospitals, prisons. People who are ready to go to Africa and help AIDS patients. People who, who are so have, say such beautiful prayers that it brings tears to your eyes. You know, maybe a minister has faith like that. But me, my faith... I hardly dare say anything when people ask me whether I'm a Christian. I, I like the background. My faith is too weak for me to be allowed to call God my security. 
Those are just three responses. I'm too sinful. I'm not sure whether I'm elect. I'm not such a good believer. And beloved, God responds to these objections. He says, forget it. They don't count. People, you have to learn to live by grace. You have to understand that it's all free. You don't have to bring in anything. You're allowed to receive it just like that. You're too sinful. Have you ever heard of Jacob? Jacob, that means deceiver. That's what Jacob was. Sinful to the hilt. A liar and a coward. But says God, I was faithful to him and Jacob became a rich man. Haven't you heard of David? Now there was a sinful man. Goes to his bed, goes to bed with his neighbor's wife, causes her husband to die during a battle. And David was aware of his sin for quite some time. When he confessed his sin after the child was born, I forgave him. You know, David was even allowed to be the father to my own son, says God. You're not sure whether you belong to the elect. Well, says God, don't turn things around. It's true, it depends on whether I've chosen you. But all those who desire to have me as their security have been chosen by me. The very fact that you believe in me as your security may confirm you in the conviction that I have chosen you to be mine. You're allowed to call me your security, says God. And you're to worry about your faith, whether you're a good enough believer. Well, says the Lord, that's what the disciples thought as well. Lord, our faith is too little to heal this boy. And the Lord Jesus said, nonsense. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Faith isn't a matter of quantity. As if a missionary has more faith than an organist or a grandfather than a child. It's very simple. God says, he who wants to believe in me, who searches for me, who stretches forth his hands and calls out, save me, is allowed to call me his whole. Let me emphasize it even more. The way the catechism does it. You're afraid you're too sinful. Well, don't be. For Jesus has fully, fully paid with his precious blood for all your sins. All your sins. And has set you free from all the power, all the power of the devil. Well, if Jesus has saved you from all sin, there's no sin left. No sin whatsoever. You cannot even be too sinful to be allowed to call God your security. You're afraid that you don't belong to the elect. Well, it's irrelevant. When Jesus has suffered for your sins, His Father is your Father, period. As the Catechism puts it. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my Heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Not a hair. Can you think of anything more mundane? Indeed, all things, yeah, note that, all things must work together for my salvation. When God says to you, you're my child, think of your baptism. That's the way it is. And, and you're afraid you're not a good enough believer? Your faith is insufficient? Well, what makes you think that? If the Father has paid for your sins, if the Father, sorry, if the Son has paid for your sins, if the Father cares for you, then you will receive the Spirit to convince you of salvation. 
Again, the Catechism puts it so nicely. Therefore, by His Holy Spirit, He also assures me, assures me, that's faith, of eternal life. Makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for Him. That's what grace is all about. Pure grace. No contribution from our side to be allowed to have God as our hold. It happens outside of us. It's a present. It's a gift. Grace. Pure grace. And so He will definitely be our security. You know, when you think about it, it all looks kind of easy. You need to do nothing to have God as your hold. It's all by grace. Even if you're a very bad sinner, even if your faith is weak, even if you have lots of doubts, you're baptized and you go to heaven. A few years of catechism, there you go, to the Lord's Supper. I'm noticing that in North America, there's a lot of people that think we Canadian Reformed people think that way. That's not the way it is. That's not the way it is at all. Joshua said, well then, fear the Lord. Serve Him uprightly and faithfully. Put away the gods which your father served in Mesopotamia and Egypt and serve the Lord. But if you think this is a bad idea to serve the Lord, choose today whom you will serve. The gods your father served in Mesopotamia or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. See, brothers and sisters, when God comes to you, He does expect an answer, a response. Young people, being a Christian, it doesn't happen by itself. Profession of faith is not simply a matter of knowing enough about the Bible and about religion, the Reformed religion. Beloved, it's about faith. It's about trusting in God. It's about dedicating your life to His service. When God calls, He expects a response. Baptism must be followed by a profession. God wants to see you every celebration of the Lord's Supper. He wants to meet with you every worship service. So how does this work? Well, God presents Himself as a security, as certainty. But there are people who refuse this offer. Think of Esau, for example. He marries Canaanite girls against the wishes of his parents. He is uncouth. He sold his blessing of God, the, God, the blessing of God meant for him. He sells it for a plate of stew. See, Esau was allowed to call God his hold. He'd been circumcised, but he refused to have God as security. Esau, he was more at the self-supportive time. I'll go it my own way. And so God was not his security. Refuse God's offer. God is not your security. And on the other hand, there are people of whom we might think, no way, not him. Think again of David. David's terrible sin with Bathsheba. You'd think, okay, that's it, David. You've done it now. God is going to stop now. This is it. But no, David confesses his sin. He admits that he's wrong. And that's why David was still allowed to call God his security. And thus, brothers and sisters, it does come down to the choice Accepting or rejection. It comes down to faith. Not how well you believe. Not how much you know. Not how pious you are or how glad or how good at evangelism. No, the point is, do you surrender yourself entirely to God? Entirely, totally. 
with body and soul, tip to toe, outside, inside, hands and heart. What you are like is not the point as long as you give yourself entirely. That's when King Saul, he may look like less of a sinner than King David, but you see the difference. The first did not repent, the second one did. Saul was in it for his own honor. David was in it for God's honor. Give yourself forever in life and death. In life. That, that's already now. Young people don't think you can postpone believing in God. The way you can postpone a proper job or getting married. Nope. God has already said to you, when you were baptized, I am your God. And now respond as soon as you honestly can. Give yourself to God in life and death. And also in death. When the last hour comes. When your life flashes before your eyes. When struggles arise and when there are doubts. Depend on God. Surrender yourself into His hands. God will certainly be our security. Those are words of resolution. Words of choice. Words of faith. That's why the catechism is not impersonal. No, for a very good reason, we teach our young people to say, I belong to Jesus Christ. That's teaching them the right choice of faith. That's responding to God's promise. That's what professing faith is all about. God is the security of our life. He is able like no other. He is unchangeable and almighty, faithful and able to do all things. For His name is Yahweh El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty. He's allowed to be our hold. For the Son sets me free from the guilt of sin. The Father accepts me as His child. And the Spirit convinces me of God's love and teaches me to live as God's servant. The three in one. He will certainly be my God. We sang it already with Him 1A. I believe in the Father. I believe in the Son. I believe in the Spirit. And whether you're a healthy young woman or a dying old man, whether a well-to-do farmer or unemployed drug addict, a great-grandmother to 80 people, or single handicapped and wondering what I'm going to do with my life, we're all directed to God. Like that poet of Psalm 42, 43. Lonely, but always, everywhere, at home with God. Our God, what a security, what a comfort. Amen.